So today we're starting a series of messages, and uh, it's just going to be, this is really a more of an introduction today to what we'll be talking about over the next month, basically. And uh, it's designed for all of us to make, to take an inter- internal, to take an internal look, uh, an internal account of our life and our witness to those around us. That's the, the hope. So the message is titled, uh, Christian Life and Witness. And the subtitle for today is Divine Calling. So uh, I have this to say to you this morning. The way we live our lives is distinctly connected to our faith and how those around us perceive us. Let me read it again. The way we live our lives is distinctly connected to our faith and how those around us perceive us. You see, in modern times, Uh, living the, and I always quote this, the Jesus way, will increasingly set us apart from those around us. That's what happens if we live for Christ. You know, hopefully uh, in the coming weeks, especially today, but in the coming weeks as well, I can point us towards some practical examples. Uh, Every day, you and I are likely met with opportunities to choose the high road in life or to not. All right. Uh, when Christians don't choose the high road, I've noticed that the extent of accusations uh, increases around them. When we don't choose the high road, it gets worse. It doesn't get better. All right. Matters get worse, not better. Although this may not be true uh, and the same for everyone, I'll acknowledge that. That's, this is one of the things that I've noticed. So today we'll begin with an overview of what Christian life and witness means. Uh, in the coming weeks, I plan to go more in depth with the topic, and, and we'll pull into that. What, what I'm saying when I say Christian life and witness, your life as a Christian is a witness whether you want it to be or not. You don't have a choice in the matter. You, you don't get to, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was a young person, I used to like to hide. I would just hide in, if I could. I didn't want people necessarily to know that I was a Christian. But the truth is, I learned this. If you're going to live a life as a Christian, if you're going to be a Christian, your life is going to be a witness to those around you, period. You don't have a choice. Uh, I love it. Uh, where was I this week? I forget. Oh, the, my, I uh, was uh, doing some home renovations the last little while. And, you know, we get right to the end of the project, and I cut the wrong wire going into the house. And I told the other guys, don't cut that wire, or heaven forbid. And I cut it anyways. And uh, anyway, so I had a technician out trying to repair my cable, and uh, he was, he was uh, chatting with me. He was a real chatty guy. And he said, well, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I love that question because people get, it gets awkward right there. And uh, I, so, but my life, because I'm a pastor, I just say, say to people, I'm, I'm a minister at the church in town. Oh, which one? Uh, the uh, Queensway Pentecostal on the highway. Oh, yeah, good place. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. And the truth is, is that our Christian life is directly connected with our witness, all the time. Doesn't, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. It's just, that's the way it is. That's the way. If people get to know you, they're going to figure it out sooner or later. So today, my commitment to this topic is to always stay true to God's word. So when I read scriptures, when I read the scripture, I take it literally. Some people don't, and they don't agree with things I say and whatever. But uh, the truth is, when I read the scripture, I do the scripture. It's as simple as that. I'm a simple guy. That's the way I operate. So to get the ball rolling, we'll begin in Colossians. So let's go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, these should be on the screen, but you can open your Bible as well. Sometimes I talk too fast, so you can't catch up. But Colossians 4, verse 6. I love this verse. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt, 
so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Uh, I love it so much. Let your speech always be gracious. This text gives you the direction in which we're going to be headed for our first thought this morning. How you, listen to this very carefully, God gave me this this week, how you conduct yourself has infinite impact on the kingdom of God. Let me say it again. How you conduct yourself has infinite impact on the kingdom of God. You see, I love how many of you in our church have great and good and awesome reputation amongst your peers and other people in this town. I think it's awesome. It's so good. This shows me a maturity in your faith. That's what it does. It shows me maturity. However, the opposite can be true. When we are immature in our Christian faith, our life and witness come into focus in a new way. When we're immature with our Christian faith. I have a certain family member. I won't name them because they may listen to this. But I have a certain family member, and they love to stand out the front door of their house and chase squirrels. That's what they do. They chase the squirrels away. All right? And every time they do it, I think, man, what are your neighbors thinking? Watching watching you chase squirrels. And they... Anyways, it's craziness. Anyways, <laughs> so the truth is when we are immature, this person's not immature in their Christian faith. I just think it's funny. When we're immature in our Christian faith, our life and witness come into focus in a new way. The truth is our life and focus can come, uh, our, our, our life and faith can come into focus in a negative way. I couldn't help but get away uh, from this personal story for today's message. I just, I kind of had to share it. So without going into too many details, uh, I remember look, uh, looking up to a few, I, I've been a musician since I was, my mom made me play the piano when I was a kid, I quit, and then I learned to play the trumpet, I got pretty good at that, and then when I was a teenager, a bunch of guys asked me to be in the rock band, so we played one gig, then they kicked me out of the rock band, but ever, but ever since then, uh, I, <laughs> the truth is they sucked and I kept on going, so whatever, but, uh, <laughs> oh man, but uh, the... I've always been involved uh, with music in my life. My dad is a singer. My dad sang in a quartet for over 20 years and traveled around the, uh, mainly Ontario, but around Canada uh, with the quartet. And I would, go, like, people ask me, have you, uh, what do you think of this church? What do you think of that church? I've been in a lot of churches because my dad would sing in them. So I've been in any denomination, I was there. And so I've been around music my whole life. So growing up, there was a few musicians in church that uh, I really looked up to. There are people that I'm like, man, they are really good at playing that instrument or whatever. And at the time, we had some good musicians in our church. But as I grew older, I got to know them a little bit. <laughs> as, I, as I grew older in my years, I got to know them a little bit. I realized that it was, uh, uh, they were a little bit off the mark. <laughs> they, they weren't quite who I thought they were. In fact, I was a little disappointed and who they were, and how they, uh, who these people were, and how they conducted themselves, and how they, uh, they, they treated others around them, all these different things. It just didn't fit right. It didn't feel right. Uh, their lives uh, didn't amount to much in terms of Christian life and witness. So I was a kid. I would look up to them. But as I grew older, I would pause and say, are you being authentic? Are you being who Christ has called you to be? All right, and it, they, they couldn't answer that question. They couldn't get to that bar. But sadly, my, the story I'm sharing right now is true in many places for a variety of reasons. You see, we blame, <coughs> excuse me, 
I've got a cold, so just if I sound weird, that's why. Uh, We blame Christian immaturity on culture, lack of good teaching or preaching, difficult personal circumstances, and so much more. That's what we blame uh, a lack of, uh, a lack of, uh, or we, that's what we blame Christian immaturity on. I'll get it out eventually. What I would remind you of today is that your maturity when it comes to your Christian life is all about you. That's who it's about. Let me explain it. You are not responsible for my actions. If I drive out of this parking lot and rear end a car and start cussing them out because those suckers didn't give me the right sound or whatever, is that your fault that I did that? No, that's me. That's on me. But the truth is, uh, you are not responsible for my actions. You see, uh, this is the way it works. I'm accountable to God for what my choices and my actions are. That's, that's who I'm accountable to. I'm not accountable uh, in an earthly sense. Yes, I have accountability. But in terms of God, I'm not accountable to you guys for my actions. I'm accountable to the Lord Jesus for my actions. The same is true for you. Uh, some may say that as a pastor, I'm responsible for people who attend our church. And I, I, I understand that. I understand why someone would make that connection. But however, I won't be held in account for what you do in your life. I'm not held accountable for that. I'm, man, I got I to gotta worry about this guy right here. This, <laughs> I got stuff I'm accountable for, but I'm not accountable for your actions. Because here's why. When we stand before God, we are only held accountable for our own actions. That's who we're held. That's, he's not, he's not going to, when you stand before God, you can't, well, my husband, he was just a, he was a bum. I didn't like him that much. You can't, my wife, she didn't let me do nothing. She didn't let me talk. She didn't let me eat. She didn't let me watch TV. I just had to go out and shovel the snow all the time. No, you can't, that doesn't work with God. You are responsible for yourself. I say this to, uh, I would say this to young people all the time. You are responsible for your own faith. It's not up to your parents to pray you into the kingdom. We get it confused sometimes. You are responsible for you. That's what it ultimately comes down to. I have a story uh, I thought it would be funny to share. It's uh, in, in the uh, picture, uh, the, the, the guy that's standing there, his shirt says, love your neighbor. So that's from the Bible, obviously. But I got this story about neighbors. It's the, the title is, Not Too Bad Neighbor. So listen to this. According to a Mexican legend, San Ysidro was plowing his garden when an angel appeared. The Lord wants you, sorry, the Lord wants to see you, Ysidro. Come with me, said the angel. But Ysidro was busy. He refused the command. Again, the angel appeared. Unless you come at once, the Lord will send winds and drought to wither your corn. Ysidro was unperturbed he had fought the wind before drought could be relieved by the river twice more the angel appeared but Yesidro would not leave his work the fourth time the angel simply said if you do not come with me the lord will send you a bad neighbor <laughs> Yesidro paused in the middle of the row and turned to the messenger i'll go with you now he said quietly I can stand anything but a bad neighbor. <laughs> oh, man, so good, so good. So let's look back at Colossians. Uh, let's read it again together. Let me skip back here. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each 
person. Our speech must always be gracious. Have you ever been verbally attacked? I have. No one else has. Okay. (laughs) Multiple times. All right. I have for sure. Sometimes your hardest action will literally be to turn the other cheek. That'll be your hardest action. You see, here's our first point for today. It's called tearing down the wrong walls. The Lord does not want us to tear one another down. The Lord doesn't want us to tear one another down. Be gracious always. The first pastor I worked for, I I still to this day have not met someone who's more gracious. And he would never, (laughs) uh, and and I knew him, I knew him enough to know that there was people he could talk about. He would never, ever, ever, ever speak illfully about someone. He would never. He actually told me that one time, uh, people would come to the church. It was a, it was when I was in Toronto, and the, it was a pretty influential church in the city and in the POC. Even though, it's, anyways, we'll go down that road. And uh, anyways, so it was an influential church, and people would come and visit him because he was the pastor there. And he would say, "Oh, it's so great to see so and so this morning," and he greet them, yada yada. And he told me that he would greet people that personally had at one point in his life given him such destructive words. But because of God, he was gracious every time and welcomed them in the name of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Church, I could not do that. <laughs> the Lord has to work on me still. All right? I believe I can get there, but <laughs> it would be tough. All right? Be gracious always. Words with substance, salt in the text, have potency. Words with substance have potency. Potency. When you use words, speak in a way that is heard. Speak in a way that is heard. Have you ever thought of that? Yelling does not mean you're heard. (laughs) I've learned that. Speak in a way that's heard. I think of social activists from the past century. Not all of them used words. Some just simply led with their actions. That was it. The Holy Spirit gives us words of substance. I've sat at meeting tables in conversations, uh, in parking lots, in malls, at, at street corners, all over the place, and not knowing the word to say. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit grabs my heart and gives me the words to say that sink deep with potency into the person's heart. That's what we need the Holy Spirit to do for us. I always ask Holy Spirit for words to say, and he always provides. I don't believe any of us are called to be noisy complainers. That's not what God calls us to be. When we speak, we are called by God to give words that have substance. Be careful what words you say. The seasoning of our words by the power of the Holy Spirit will bring flavor to those around us. You can say a word that is so breathed by God that it just sinks into the heart and mind of the person that's before you. Here's a second one. You are called. You know, it's interesting. We did a series of messages 
in the summer, and I keep on finding them, the words that we spoke about, the things that God, uh, the declarations that God says about us, I keep on finding them come back in Scripture. It's so amazing as we keep on moving forward. Romans 8, verse 28 to 30 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. Verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Let me say this one simple word. Your life has purpose. Your life has purpose. Never forget that he has called you by name. That's, he's called you by name. I feel as though sometimes we live in the place of regret or, that, uh, or what could have been. What's being, we think about what's being taken from us. Don't settle in what you think the enemy has taken. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we feel like the enemy has taken from us or what someone has taken away from us. But church, here's the truth. We must abide in the fact that you and I are chosen. That's who we are. Christ is all around us. I have this, I love poetry. Uh, I never did, I hated it in school, but I enjoy it as an adult now, and I love Christian poetry the most. Here's a poem that I just love so much. It says this, As I rise today, may the strength of God pilot me, the power of God uphold me, the wisdom of God guide me. May the eye of God look before me. The ear of God hear me. The word of God speak for me. May the hand of God protect me. The way of God lie before me. The shield of God defend me. The host of God save me. May Christ shield me today. And then it ends with this amazing refrain. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down. Christ when I sit. Christ when I stand. Christ in the heart of every one who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen. What a prayer. What a man. I love it so much. So may this be our heart's cry today, that Christ would be all around me, all around me. Here's our third point for today. Call to sanctification. We're going to read from two uh, verses of Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And then we go to of First uh, Thessalonians five verse twenty three, it says, "Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful; He will surely do it." Uh, listen to this: A life pleasing to God is sanctified; it's holy. That's what a life pleasing to God is. In this passage, um, sanctification and holiness go together. They're not separated. They go together. Sanctification and holiness go together. You see, a life pleasing to God is free from sexual immorality. That's what a life pleasing to God looks like. God's plan is that our spirit, soul, and body is kept blameless until Christ 
returns. That's his heart. Our fourth thought for today is, is this, to be set apart. Notice in Thessalonian, uh, in the Thessalonian text that God never tells you to hide or to disappear. He doesn't tell us to hide or to disappear. God calls all believers to be in plain sight. We are the temple of the living God. The Lord dwells among all his children. We are his and he is mine. He is a father to us. We are his sons and daughters. You see, I felt God uh, just this last few days very clearly give me a word to share this morning. It comes from Psalm 109, verse 2 to 5. It says this, For wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for love. But notice the text in verse 4. I give myself to prayer. How many of us can relate to this passage in one way or another? I, I was, I'm a lot of those things. I, I can certainly relate myself. Let me ask of you this question. Have you given yourself to prayer? I mean, not just a quick prayer to God when you're jumping in the car to start your day, but completely surrendering yourself to him. I've at times had to go to the Lord multiple times each day for long periods, for weeks on end, maybe even longer, requesting that he hear my cry. When you're facing adverse circumstances, commit yourself to prayer. I can't tell you how many times people will come to me and say, um, especially uh, people, uh, friends from uh, years ago, they'll say, Pastor Jay, I need help with this, or I need God to answer me in this way. And I'll say, how's your devotional life? And sometimes they'll say, my devotions are really great. And I'll say, okay, here's the deal. I know it sounds a little crazy, but I want you to double up on your devotional time. Because you need to show God, God, I am serious. I need to hear from you today. I've done it with my own life. Instead of looking to outside factors, to people around us who may or may not have our best interests at heart, look to the Lord Jesus, for he holds the answers for each of us. I don't have every answer for you. That's ridiculous. How could I have an answer for everyone? But the King of Kings does. And that's who we need to look towards. The subtitle in today's message is Divine Calling. Uh, as we wrap up, before we start communion, I want, us to I want to remind us that God has divinely called us. God has a higher calling for you. You can call it whatever you want, but he needs your full attention, your undivided full attention. You and I must be great witnesses for Christ in our community. As we unpack this topic of Christian life and witness in the coming weeks, we must remember that our spiritual maturity could be the difference be between someone's eternity with God. Yes, there's that much weight on it. Many years ago, I would get so irritated because parents would keep their kids from attending my youth program. They would do it as punishment because they liked coming. <laughs> 
Parents would stop their kids from coming because they, they knew their kids enjoyed it. If the kids got a bad grade, didn't finish their homework, didn't do their chores, they wouldn't let their kid come to my youth program. It would drive me crazy because their, the parents' spiritual immaturity was getting in the way of their kids' spiritual development. Church, we have been divinely called to face the, tr- uh, the trials that come our way each day. We've been divinely called. This morning, I want to take some extra time to pause for communion. And I want us to remember together. But our life, you see, it's a divine calling. It's, you are here with a purpose. You've been placed into this situation that you're in. Let me read you a scripture from Isaiah about the Lord Jesus. It says this, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in love. But you see, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, verses 2 to 6. Church, the Lord's Supper reminds us that we should be thankful for the free gift of God, eternal life. Paul describes the gift in the the serious terms of the sacrifice of, by Jesus. He says, this is my body, which was broken for you. Here Paul identifies Christ's sacrifice. He describes Christ's suffering. The picture is one of ultimate service. He paid the price for our salvation. Paul invites us to remember that sacrifice, suffering, and service. The Lord's Supper is a time to remember Jesus's life. We make a mistake if we remember only his death. Yes, we remember the cross, but we also remember a life dedicated to other people. This is why we call the Lord's Supper a celebration. It is a celebration of God's gift of life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16, he gave his life so that we might have life that this is the perfect model of service so every time that we take the lord's supper we remember that jesus gives life he offers a new beginning this is not a funeral the funeral the funeral has already taken place the morning lasted for only three days then came the victory we celebrate the resurrection and the life that comes with it Paul described it like this, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Today at the supper we celebrate life, a life given, and a life granted. 
Lord, at this supper, I commit to bring this life to as many people as possible. The life you've granted to me can only be celebrated by sharing it with someone else. Today, today I share it with you. Tomorrow, I share it with those around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand up right now? Uh, you don't have to take communion at our church. It's not an obligation. But if you choose to take it, you're, of course, more than welcome to. This is a holy table set before us. And it is, uh, it is a, it's what I consider serious business when we come before the Lord in communion. We're to take it seriously. We're to examine our heart. Lord, forgive us of our trespasses. So as we come forward, that we would come with a pure heart and say, God, I need you.